This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries, official sponsor of Faction 46 and Nice Motorsports Truck Series teams. Forney offers versatile welding and plasma cutting machines, along with a full line of metalworking accessories for beginners, do-it-yourselfers, and professionals. Forney has everything you need for your next metalworking project. Shop for these top-of-the-line products at ForneyIND.com, that's F-O-R-N-E-Y-I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you. Hey there, NASCAR fans. Have you got your copy of the latest edition of NASCAR Pole Position Print Magazine? If not, there's no better time than now to subscribe at PolePositionMag.com. NASCAR Pole Position is the only print magazine covering NASCAR. Officially licensed by NASCAR, NASCAR Pole Position Magazine is published throughout the NASCAR season, and each edition is an instant collector's item, backed with great feature stories and photography. The magazine is even mailed to you in a poly bag for those who love to collect NASCAR memorabilia. At PolePositionMag.com, you can even find past issues available to purchase. Get your subscription to NASCAR Pole Position and get great NASCAR content delivered straight to your mailbox throughout the season. Learn more at PolePositionMag.com. That's PolePositionMag.com. Hey y'all, Rick Houston here, and I want to tell you about my new show, the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast. I've partnered up with the state of North Carolina Department of Natural and Cultural Resources to help uncover the history behind moonshining mountain boys, professional wheelmen, and the backwoods and city lights of the Tar Heel State. In the first episode, I sat down with Winston Kelly at the NASCAR Hall of Fame for a little behind-the-scenes gossip about Junior Johnson's engineering skills. He's got two things in his hand, pipe wrench and channel lock pliers, and they weren't new. They yeah. had been, they had been yeah. around the block a time or two. What's so, the first deal they built, I bet? No, no, you know, you could, I think they were, they had, the, the pliers had been red before, but paint had worn off. And in the second episode, I talked to a professional hillbilly, a.k.a. Dr. Daniel Pierce of UNC Asheville, to find out the real history of moonshiners and their battles with the revenuers. He wrote about one of his experience of trying to chase down this uh, this bootlegger and this this souped-up car, and he, he complained that the government gave him these piece-of-crap, cheapo cars and that, that were really no match, but he thought he was doing pretty good. And then the guy just hits it and just takes off and practically disappeared. But then the guy makes a bootleg turn uh, and comes back towards him. And it, it, as he said, it was a game of chicken and I was a chicken. And so he ran off the road. And actually he was the guy who, who caught Junior Johnson at his daddy's steal when Junior got tangled up in a, in a barbed wire fence. <laughs> So check out the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast available on YouTube, DailyDownForce.com, and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And be sure to check out my regular show on NASCAR history, the Scene Bought Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the latest episode of Out of the Groove Power Hour presented by Circle B Diecast. I'm your host, Eric Estep, joined by the other host of this show, Brennan Poole. Brennan, we should have you uh, like lead us in one of these weeks. I don't know why I do it every It's because I have the recorder, <laughs> recording software on my computer, so I hit go. I know when to start, but I, we could set up some sort of like code Dude, signal. I think you're, I mean, I think you're so much better at delivering the out of the groove code for the free shipping <laughs> that I just like, I'm amazed every time you do it. So I'm yeah. just like, well, you get got ready. it locked in. Get ready. Cause listen to this, listen to this right here. Yes. Our show is sponsored by circle B diecast use code O O T G. That's, that's an, uh, an acronym, right? Is that right? An acronym yes. for yes. out of the groove O O T G for free shipping on orders over $30. Yeah, that's what you Amazing. came here for today, Brennan, right? Yeah, you got that. <laughs> Brennan, uh, I did. I, we always have diecast show off. Uh, I picked this up recently. Usually I do a 124 scale car, but I found recently online a uh, mm. Alex Bowman Nashville scheme from last year, 164 scale car. Love this paint scheme. Uh, I haven't taken it out of the package yet, but I might have to because I just need to, mm. I need to see the colors up close. Um, but you can get <laughs> diecasts like these. You can get... Your latest, uh, your favorite driver's latest diecast in 124 scale. You can pre-order diecast at circlebdiecast.com. Brennan, did you have a car you wanted to show off today? I did. I have a classic. I have an Ooh. old relic. We love that. A relic from the past that many fans either won't even know about this or have totally forgotten about its exi- ex- existence. Are you ready? I am very ready. It's Dale Ooh. Jarrett. Dale, Dale Jarrett's that- UPS... Michael Waltrip Toyota. Toyota. That is a that's that's an early Toyota. That's like a that's oh. like the, the the before Toyota was really good. <laughs> I can't even. No, they were not good this year. It was rough. <laughs> I um I I really I can't even remember what year this is. Can someone please? Is this 06? I think that's, 07. It's it's got to be 07. It's Nextel. It's Nextel. But I can't remember the year of this car. But I uh, I did like Dale Jarrett. I was a Dale Jarrett fan. Um, I met him many times as a young kid racing quarter midgets. Um, and so, yeah, and I thought the Toyota deal and Michael Waltrip's new team and all this stuff, this was cool. And so, and I, obviously I like this. I always liked the UPS cars. I thought they were all co- always cool looking. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good um, one. that was gifted to me from one of my buddies. Shout out Altera. If you're watching the show, thanks, man. Um, this is one that he gave me one year uh, for Christmas. That's awesome. That's a, that's a pretty yeah. good Christmas gift right there. I like it. It is. That's yeah. good. Well, uh, I was trying to think of a good Christmas segue, but that's hard to do in August when it's yeah. 95 It's degrees. so hot outside. It definitely isn't Christmas. And speaking of it not being Christmas, let's talk about Daytona. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was going to like beat around segue? the bush a little, but I, I know <laughs> Daytona was... Uh, I, so we're not going to talk about the playoffs. The, the playoffs have been beaten with a stick at this point we know who's in mm-hmm. we know bubba got the last spot in the cup race good for him chris busher wins again my goodness i think i think chris busher has won three times since we last recorded an episode brennan like that's yeah he's on fire man it's kind oh, of someone ridiculous. said he has more wins than bowman chase and kyle larson combined in the same year and everyone was like did you think he'd ever oh say my, that about that chris is busher? that is actually insane that's a great mm. point actually but that's not what we want to talk about brennan i, I think the, a key talking point or the highlights or lowlights, depending on how you ask, from Daytona were the crashes. Ryan mm-hmm. Reese flipping mm-hmm. wildly. We now know that he's, you know, he's been released from the hospital. He's back home. 
don't know the full extent of like even whether he's going to race this weekend. That hasn't been announced this weekend, but or that has not been announced yet. But yeah, the fact that he was able to walk away from that crash, Ryan Blaney hard into the outside wall, nose first, like actually damaged the safer barrier. They had to red flag the race to fix the track he hit so hard. He walked away. Yourself, Brennan, I know you got caught up in that massive big one at the end of stage two. Big hit yourself. How are you feeling first and foremost? I'm still sore, honestly. I'm Jeez. still sore. I, I think I by the time this episode comes out, I probably won't be sore anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, just like my shoulders and stuff. I mean, we were, um, you know, I sped on pit road, which shouldn't have happened. But um, I was pushing the 11. I was pushing Denny around the track. Uh, became clear that we weren't going to make, uh, we were going to get lapped. And then in the pack, you know, I kind of like, you know, maneuvered my way around Denny actually. And I was in the position to get the free pass and um, yeah. And all hell broke loose. And yeah. really I had kind of made it through the wreck. Someone came down and I think the 36 got into the 11 and turned him back. Right. And the 11 like barely clipped my back bumper and it turned me left like head on into the inside wall. So that was a bummer. I had a really good car. So, um, and we were just taking our time and riding, saving our stuff. And then of course, you know, things got out of control and it ended up being what it, what it was. So that was a bummer, but, um, I had never run a uh, next gen on a speedway before. So that was uh-huh. a good experience. I would learned a lot and, um, looking forward to the, to the next one that I get to do in October. That's going to be fun. Hopefully it will have a much better result, but yeah, I mean the Ryan priest crash. Yeah. As a driver, driver, like, what do you, like, what do you think as someone who drove in that race in a, in mm-hmm. one of those same cars, like when you watch a wreck like that, what is that? Is it hard to watch wrecks like that? Like, do, do you actively like try not to even think about that? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we don't, uh, you know, when you get in the race car, you just don't even think that like something like that's going to happen to you. You just are, mm-hmm. it's like fighter pilot mentality. You just get in it and do the job. And then if something happens, you just wait through the crash. And and when it's done, uh, you kind of like, you know, check all of your parts and pieces and make sure you're okay and, and get out. But I mean, um, Ryan Priest's crash was pretty wild. I think it was just the way he caught the grass, like the way he just got turned at just the right angle, the right place to hit the grass in the right place where it created that lift and off he went. I, it was one of the hardest tumbles that I can remember seeing in a very, very, very long time. Yeah. Um, it was real hard um just the way the tumbles were usually when you flip you don't have like because you're still moving it's kind of like it's more like you're gliding across correct the ground that's where i think the grass really came into play is it dug in a couple points mm-hmm. and really just i don't know i'm, I'm using them. my hands our listeners can't see this but i'm, I'm using my hands <laughs> to try and paint the picture but yeah the way it dug in just added torque to the spins like added rotation yeah I would agree with that. It made it really violent looking. Yeah. Um, and then in turn, you know, obviously I don't, we don't know if he's going to be cleared to race this weekend or not mm-hmm. uh, concussions, any of that. Um, but it was certainly, it was a wild, wild looking crash for sure. I think you just, as a driver, you just, like I said, you, at times you just don't even think it's going to happen to you. Like you just don't, you yeah. just race. And then when it does happen, you go through it. And then you hope you get out on the other end. Now, that might sound crazy to say because the cars are really safe now and NASCAR and everyone and all the safety, everything has been 
I mean, they're they're really really safe considering we're hitting each other at 200 miles an hour, right? Like they're yeah. but for all things considered. But um, yeah, I mean, you just don't think about it. I've never gotten into a race car and thought about crashing or being in a wreck or any of that. Like I always just feel like I'm going to not be in the wreck. I always feel like I'm going to make it out. Or if something does happen, like you don't think you're going to get hurt. Like you, we all, you just think you're, <laughs> it's not like you think you're bulletproof, but you just, you don't think about it that way. So when something does happen or you are in a wreck, you know, after it happens for that split second, you kind of like think about it and then you just move on. Right. Um, and go mm-hmm. to the next one. So I hope, um, nothing serious for Ryan. I really like Ryan. I've known him for a very long time and, uh, he's a good race car driver. So hopefully no issues there. And then, yeah, the Blaney hit also just incredibly hard. And I was saw it firsthand. I was right behind everything and then was in it. Um, I think NASCAR's done a good job with making the cars with some of the updates and stuff they've done to the new car, making the hits not as bad as they used to be. Um, how did that? Me, yeah, how did that hit compare to yeah. wrecks you've had previously? Yeah, it was um, it was better for me um, physically. Really? Uh, just a little sore on the shoulders, but I, I literally I, I didn't have a headache, which is rare. I almost always have a headache in any hit that I've ever been in in my career. It doesn't matter. You hit a wall, you pretty much got a headache. Um, but I didn't have a headache. I was fine, and I walked away. And the only thing I had is just from the impact where your Hans and belts yeah, are. Like I'm a little sore, you. like on my yeah, my traps and back here. Other than that, I'm I'm okay. Um, I got to imagine Blaney is probably feeling the same way. Probably more sore though. <laughs> And he yeah. probably did have a headache. He that that hit was hard. I was in the ambulance with him um after the wreck and you know, may, you know, asked him, Are you okay? Like, you know, it was hard. And he was like, Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm it was a really hard hit, but I'm I'm okay. And then, you know, we chatted a little bit about what happened and what happened to me and you know, all that kind of stuff as as you do. So um glad to see he was okay. Um that's super interesting because I've always wondered, like as someone, you know. I'm I'm new to the industry, so to speak. I get to go to the track. I do get the opportunity to talk to drivers more consistently now. But I, I, I feel like it's it's not it's almost taboo to talk to drivers about bad wrecks and ask them like to, like I I guess there's like an impression that drivers don't want to talk about big wrecks. And I don't know, like driver to driver, do drivers talk about wrecks? Do you guys ever like sit back almost like, you know, that scene in Jaws where they're comparing, you know, in, like horrible <laughs> injuries, like, oh yeah, well this right here, I got this, and, you know, Martinsville 2016. Like do drivers, how do you guys talk about crashes with each other? Or is it the kind of thing where after it happens, you just, people don't like to bring it up? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on the severity of the crash, but I mean, we for sure talk about it amongst each other, especially a lot around the new car. Um, unfortunately I've been in a couple crashes now in the new car in my short time, but, um, yeah, there's a lot of discussion on what the impacts feel like, how was it for each one of the drivers on their particular impact? And, and yeah, I mean, the drivers amongst each other are talking about it because we were trying to make, um, the car's better. Um, and it's the like, so you guys better, talk but, about it from like an analytical perspective mm-hmm, these days. Yes. Yeah, for sure. We're not showing off by any means. <laughs> no, like Jaws. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that, that is interesting. Well, um, I mean, what else, what else from Daytona? Uh, I mean, 
now I, I mean i mean if you want to talk about xfinity stuff that race seemed even a little bit more chaotic than the cup race it was and uh parker kligerman gained a lot of points on the 98 i don't know what's happening over there to the 98 he just can't catch With, a break he blew a tire at the end of stage one or and i and i think i heard i'm not sure so guys on the 98 don't be coming at me i don't know but i heard there was a part or something loose that caused it to tow out or cause it to tow in whatever i know, it was, I know riley was tire. he was radioing about a vibration or an issue well before mm-hmm. something blew or broke so i i yeah that's certainly possible don't come at us but yes yeah, yeah don't come at us we don't know for sure but something went wrong uh, over there but it's just kind of like man i feel riley's pain um mm-hmm. in that so i felt bad um, for riley in the cup race because uh, you could tell nobody wanted to work with him they didn't want to go near him and yet at one point early on he's leading that outside lane and they're going to the front he was up near the front at the end of stage one. And then I think it was Harvick just, just screwed him, just shipped, yeah. threw him out of line. And I was like, oh, they, he did, Riley didn't deserve that. Oh, man, he, he, he did such a good job that opening stage. So I did feel bad for him in the cup race mm-hmm. as well. He had, a, he had a rough weekend. He had a rough weekend, but Parker Kligerman has got a pretty sizable lead now uh, on the cutoff uh, for the playoffs for Xfinity. So Going to be an interesting weekend uh, headed into Darlington um, to see what's going to happen. Um, you know, I love Darlington, so I love. I'm excited to see what we're going to be able to do there this weekend. And uh, yeah, it's just such a good track. So I don't know. It's going to be. It's going to be that that fight there is still a fight. Anything can happen. But um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. 98 had the problems. 48's got a big gap now. Um, I want to ask one more kind of broad Daytona question before we move okay. on. And we're going to have Sam Mayer, actually, who's uh, very much in the championship fight for the Xfinity Series. He'll be joining us here in just a few moments. But before we move off Daytona, uh, I want to get your perspective as a driver who's driven multiple series at Daytona, Talladega type racetracks just this season. What is your opinion on super speedway racing? Is does is there anything NASCAR or someone should do to tweak the package to make it maybe less like to, to maybe mitigate the size of these crashes? Do you, do you think I say this because there's been some debate and discourse on social media and I can't tell how much of it is legit. I think some of it is. I think there are some fans out there who genuinely hate this style of racing, think it's too random, too fluky, too dangerous. But there are other fans who obviously love it. And, you know, the Daytona 500 is the biggest race in, in the sport. How do you feel about super speedway racing? Like, like I guess, from your perspective, how prestigious, what sort of pedestal, like winning at Daytona or Talladega would mean what to you compared to winning, say, Darlington or Charlotte? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> well, that's hard to put in, into perspective as a race car driver. You know, there's a lot of drivers that would say like, oh, well, Darlington, obviously, because like it was not really related on things, people getting wrecked or you getting pushed at the right time or a caution coming out right at the right moment when you were still leading or, you know, (laughs) the field is, you know what I mean? Like the Uh field is the, at Daytona and Talladega, it's a little bit more, everyone has a shot where at Darlington, when you win that race, it's like a skill of that the team and the driver and everyone together put a really good race car on the track. And you made the right decisions all day to win the race where, at a super speedway, it, it like a lot of different things can happen, but I still think winning at Daytona is probably still every driver's dream. You dream of winning there as a kid when you're five and when you start on this path. Um, so I don't think anything can ever replace a Daytona victory. I think Talladega, what's so crazy about it, it's just like you know, the history, how it's long huge. it's been there, it's the, just so the crowd. 
Yeah, the crowd. I mean, you think of, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s victories, Dale Sr.'s victories there. Like, to be able to just go to Victory Lane at Talladega amongst that, the the crazy track, the crazy atmosphere, the wild history, um, that part of it is cool. But I, but as a race car driver, you, you definitely want to have other victories um, that come from tracks like Darlington or Bristol or Richmond, or even like for me, a Charlotte, like you want to win on the tracks that are challenging um, to, you know, show your abilities. So like, yeah, I'm not, I want to win at Daytona. I want to win at Talladega course, yeah. and everything, but at the same time, a win at Darlington is like, that's also, I mean, every, who doesn't want to win yeah. the Southern 500 or, or, is it, but know. is that like, I, I guess mm. I'm, I'm even torn on this. Is that, what does that say about stock car racing, about NASCAR, that the biggest race on the schedule, Daytona, the one that, you know, pays the best, that the mo has the most, you know, notoriety associated with it. Like the, the best driver doesn't typically win that race. The best car doesn't typically win that race. Like, like you're saying, Darlington is a more of a true test of who are the most skilled mm -hmm. drivers and teams. Like, I, I guess that's where I go is that, I, will there be a day where Daytona feels like just another race or even maybe feels less impressive um, than I, any other race? Like has, I, that, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But you can also go the other way with it and say, well, because anyone can win at Daytona, so much effort and work goes in from every team for that's that true. particular track. And any of the three series that like, if you make it through the carnage and put yourself in the right place and win, it's like almost like everyone is more closer on a even playing field there than anywhere else. And it gives you an opportunities for these crazy wins like a Jeremy Clements or um, if, an example when James Busher won and the entire field oh, yeah. wrecked coming to the checkered flag. And I think that was 2012 or I can't even yeah. remember 11, somewhere in there. Like there, there's, um, all there's just this chance for something wild to happen and i think that's why the fans like watching some of it because like you never know i mean sure dale, when it's wildly dale entertaining jr. yeah it's wildly entertaining you never know dale jr denny hamlin um all those guys that run up front all day long in these past races i know jr's not racing now i haven't i haven't it wasn't the hit a couple days ago guys but back <laughs> back when all those you know he ran up front all the time there's a still a very specific skill sure that you need to have um, that you learn running these big tracks. And some guys are a little better at it than others. You know, for me, I've always, I've thought in the beginning of my career, that was some, uh, these tracks were difficult ones for me, but um, over the years, it seems to be like uh, places that I really just get good finishes. Like I have a top 10 in the cup series, at Talladega I finished ninth, finished fifth this year at Talladega in the Xfinity car. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've had really good runs there. F 16th in the Daytona 500, 15th of the, at the night race in, in cup in Daytona, the, the zero sugar 400 now. So, <laughs> you know, I've had some good, good success at those particular tracks. So for me, of course, one Talladega, some say, some might say back in <laughs> 2016 or 17, whenever that was. So, um, you know, for me, I feel like that's something I've just like, I got a little, I learned it and had a little knack for it, but I do think the cup car, the package will probably change um, over the years. Like right yeah, now it's, it's always pretty, evolving. It, it, yeah. And it gets gridlocked. Like from my experience, bit, my first yeah. one, it's like, you can't do anything where the Xfinity car. And even in years past the Xfinity car, so much fun to run on the super speedways. Cause you can push and make stuff happen and like move people around. And like, it's so much fun. Like I, I have a blast doing it. Yeah. The wrecks are big and like, it's dangerous, but I can tell you from my perspective, I'm having a blast. So <laughs> like, it's, 
you know, I'm enjoying it. Um, it's a good perspective. That, yeah, but I can't tell you that when I go to Miami and I run an inch off the wall all afternoon that I'm not also equally as having much as much fun, right? <laughs> or slide jobbing someone down, drive down to the bottom and slide up to the wall. I'm having a blast doing that too. It's just, they're two different things. And I, I like them both equally, even though they're both different. They both take two totally different skill sets and they're both learned skill sets over time. Some guys get adapt quicker than others. And that's why you see like Denny Hamlin win a bunch of Daytona 500s in a row or whatever. Or yeah. Dale Jr. was super good at it. There's just, Dale Earnhardt was really good at it. You see a lot of these same guys that are from Brad Keselowski, another really smart plate racer. Like yep. there's a lot of guys out there that have a, a, a knack for it and ability for it. Um, and they go into those races, like seeing them as like, no, if I make the right decisions and I have a good car, I'm going to win the race. They don't look at it as like, and then you see some other guys in interviews like, Oh, it's a crap shoot. Like who knows? Like, no, it, that's not the case really. You know, it's still a race. Yeah. I think, yeah, Brad Keselowski, I think this year I looked up for a video I'm working on, has like four top fives in the five super speedway type races this year. So like, exactly. There is a skill, fast cars, Mm -hmm. good drivers, bubble to the front more often than others. But it is a debate that I think is never going to go away. How legit is super speedway racing? What should it change? It's just, it's, it's a debate that comes up after every big crash. Like Blaney was cruising to the stage when did nothing wrong and he, was head on into the wall at 200 miles per hour, you know? And I think that yeah. as long as that continues to happen, the debate will still be there, but that's good to hear your perspective yeah. as someone who's raced in a lot of these races, especially in recent years. <laughs> um, Brennan, it's about time that we bring in uh, one of the hottest drivers in the NASCAR world right now. Uh, Sam Mayer, a two-time Xfinity Series winner. He's won two road courses this summer. Let's bring Sam Mayer on to Power Hour. Brennan, you and I are now joined by the one and only Sam Mayer. Sam, it's great to have you on the show. You've had a fantastic summer, uh, a couple of wins. Things got to be going good for you, right? Yeah, it definitely feels really good to be Sam Mayer right about now. We have (laughs) probably the most amount of momentum in the garage, and it obviously feels really good to be on top of the world. Brennan, I'll I'll toss it over to you in a moment. I want to talk to Sam uh, mainly about how he got his start in racing. Because before we went live, while we were um, in the green room, so to speak, uh, Sam, you told me that you've been, you raced go-karts for like 10 years. So first question, I guess, is when did you first start driving any sort of race car? And I guess then, you know, after that question, when did you make the transition into, I guess, stock cars? Or when did you really begin that NASCAR specific part of your journey? Yeah, you were, uh, you were saying that you didn't see me much of a road course ace, but uh, like I said, that's that's what I've been doing. Literally, the yeah. whole like I guess preview of what I was doing in the NASCAR. Uh, I started racing go karts when I was just four years old. Wow! And uh, really, I don't know anything else in the world. Like all I think about is racing. I eat, sleep, and breathe it. And uh, I did that until I was probably twelve or thirteen before I even started thinking about going uh, circle track racing in NASCAR. I got my start uh, racing cars when I think I was, I was probably 12 at the time. Uh, but I just started, I jumped right into legend cars. I didn't do any of the bandolero stuff or anything like that. I just jumped right in and, um, fell in love with it. And I was like, yep, I definitely want to be a NASCAR driver one day. And, uh, here we are today, like another eight years later. Yeah. I know you're from Wisconsin. Did you like race in the Midwest mostly growing up or at what point did you sort of come to North Carolina? Like, where did you, like what kind of tracks around the country did you really cut your teeth at growing up? Yeah, you know, like Wisconsin's one of those hotbed states for yeah. uh, for like circle track drivers and just racers. 
And uh, the ironic thing is I didn't really do much racing up there. I, uh, I was doing more national and even some international stuff uh, with the go-karts. And then uh, obviously when I jumped to legend cars right away, it was down here in North Carolina. So I didn't really do much racing up there. I did a couple of one-offs here and there just because that's my home state. But yeah, I mean, we went right to the big leagues with it. Did you always know that you wanted to be a race car driver? You've been doing it since you were four years old. Was there a moment where it like kind of hit you, hey, I can do this for real? Or is this just something that was sort of always in your blood? You knew this was always where, where your life was headed. Yeah, I think like subconsciously, I was like, I'm just going to be a race car driver. <laughs> like I was probably like six, seven, eight years old. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to do this forever. And uh, it kind of broke my heart when I realized I couldn't go kart for the rest of my life and <laughs> actually had to go and do some real race car stuff. But uh, I fell in love with NASCAR as soon as I got really kind of into it and around people from down here and actually in North Carolina. So um, I'm really happy with how it turned out. But really, when I was super young, I thought I was going to like go kart race for the rest of my life. And if not, I was going to be an Indy car driver. Like that was mm-hmm. that was kind of like what that's like kind of what you do coming out of go-karts not a lot of people go circle track racing coming out of them but they do more like hell even f1 racing and stuff like that so uh going circle track racing uh was definitely different than a lot of the peers that i had back then like david malukas i ran with him a lot now he's running indycar full time so it's super cool to be able to almost be different but everyone that i kind of knew back then is either at one level or another in uh bigger cars so Sam, you've won two races already this year. I know being a race car driver myself, it's it always feels like getting that first one is so difficult. Like every time you move up a level, it's like it's hard to get that first one. But then after you get the first one, it seems like more come. And then you you turned around and won another road course, which is kind of crazy, but also cool. Um, and and I know you've already said you felt like you had a huge weight lifted off of your shoulders after you won the first one, but do you feel like you just like like that confidence or that feeling you get after you get the first one? Like, do you feel that in full force right now with all this momentum and everything that you've had? Absolutely. Like that after that first one, you know, that first one's always just super, super special and you automatically feel better after that first one, but getting another one just a couple weeks later, uh, it feels so much better to get another one and not be just like kind of a one hit wonder. Like I was in the trucks, you know? So getting that other one and getting obviously both of them on road courses kind of goes full circle to what I really started off racing with. And it's super cool to do it with junior motorsports and Dale being in victory lane on that second one and congratulating me and being like, hell yeah, but that was probably one of the cool things I've ever seen. Like hearing Dale say that after a crazy, uh, crazy race like that is always super cool. But I, like I said, like I told Dale and I think he even said on one of the broadcasts, I like, I feel like I'm 15 pounds lighter. Like I, I feel like I'm on top of the world. I could do just about anything. And, uh, really I kind of go out to the racetrack now and just expect to do good. Like I expected to do good and be upfront and contend, uh, before that. But now I really can kind of see myself going out there and just waxing the field if I have a good enough, good enough run for the day. But I think we can go out there and contend for a championship here at the end of the year. I think I've really finally come into my own and gotten in sync with the rest of the team and everyone else in the organization. And I think that uh, obviously the success over the summer has been insane, um, but we really want to continue that into the playoffs, obviously, and, and do it when it matters. 
That's what I was, I was just about to ask you too, because you're headed into the playoffs where it's right around the corner and you've had all this momentum. You've won a couple of races now. Do you look at these last couple ones leading into before the playoff starts is like, are, are, does your game plan change at all? Are you like shooting for more stage victories or, or anything like that to help with, when the championship starts? Or is it same thing always? We're just, we're going out there and trying to win a race. Yeah, I think before we won the race and we were really looking good in the playoff picture to begin with, we were trying to get that win and just attack it and trying to get locked in and get those bonus points and everything with the playoff points, you know? So it's, it's so hard because like you see like the 20 and the 21 out, out in the front, they have like double or even triple the amount of like stage points and playoff points that I have. And I'm like, man, I've been working my tail off trying to just keep up. So uh, getting wins obviously is really good because you get five of them, but stage wins, every stage win matters and every point matters because you never know you get to Martinsville there at the end of the year and you make it uh, just off of one point and you think back, man, if I would have gave up that spot coming to the, coming to the line, it would, I wouldn't have made it. So every point matters. And as you get up the ladder, it, it matters even more and more. Like you look in the cup side and 15 drivers were locked in before the last race and, then you only have one playoff spot left for five, six drivers. So it gets harder and harder as you go up the ladder and the Xfinity side, obviously is a little easier to get locked in. Um, but it's, it's hard to get those playoff points and, and be on, be the top dog. Really. I want to go back a little bit to what you and Brennan were just talking about, about, you know, you said the, the weight being lifted off your shoulders and you mentioned, you know, your, your one truck win that was, to me, that was one of the the standout moments when I think you became sort of on, on like the national radar, so to speak, winning a, a Bristol truck race at 17 years old. And and I remember watching you in ARCA. You won a lot of races in ARCA, but you came to Xfinity and had those those last couple of years, you know, trying to find victory lane, trying to find victory lane. Like, yeah, you talk about you feel 15 pounds lighter. Like, how hard was it to not sort of second guess yourself or maybe lose some of that confidence when you're, you're scratching and clawing, you know, you're in a good car, but and just haven't been able to break through and get that win. Like how tough was that the past couple of years? Yeah. You know, like, and I think this story can kind of put that in perspective. Like I talked to Brandon McReynolds a couple of weeks ago and it was the first time I really kind of talked to him since uh, he was my spotter last year. And I have obviously Kevin Hamlin this year and he's been a blast to be with and, and a lot of fun on the radio. But I, uh, I talked to Brandon a couple of weeks ago and just talking about motivation and all this kind of crazy stuff that's happening and uh, not having the success that I really have wanted and uh, what I had a couple of years ago. And he was like, man, what was your mindset back when you were kicking tail in ARCA and, and winning truck races? Like, what was your mindset? And I just, I, I straight up told him, I was like, I expected to show up and finish first or second every single week. And he was like, so why don't you expect that now? And I was like, cause it's, it's obviously a way harder level now. And he's like, well, if you have the mentality of it's harder and you're not going to be able to do it as easily, you're obviously going to already tell yourself it's not as easy and it's not going to be as easy. So he put me in the mindset of like, just go out there, the same mindset that you had that night that you won the arc race and the truck race in one night, just do that all over again and try to do it every single weekend. And literally a week and a half later, I go to victory lane at road America. And it, it was, um, it was a super cool moment. I think for both of us, uh, because he knew that he kind of had some insight on that and, um, it all worked out really well. He was, he was really stoked about that. And obviously going 
almost back to back a couple of weeks later and getting a second one, it, it feels super cool and super good uh, to be a kind of in that mindset again and, and being able to win races. That's awesome. Yeah. I, can you speak to that at all, Brennan? Was there ever like a point in your career where you feel like you got advice or something or where like, like a switch clicked in you and you're like, hey, like your whole total approach changed? I mean, uh, <clears throat> I, I, I get exactly what Brandon told Sam for sure. Um, you know, I felt like I've sort of always tried to go to the track with that same mentality. I think for me <clears throat> with my career, I've driven for like so many different teams at so many different levels with so many different resources that it's hard. So like in my career now, like I just get in the car and I drive it as hard as I possibly can the whole time. And I just like, that's what I do. And I let it fall where it falls. And I just know at the end of the day that I put every single bit that I could put into it, into it and let the result be what the result is. But, you know, I'm still fighting to be, get back in a situation where, um, I can win races on a consistent basis. So, um, the, the mindset for me is just like, I just, I'm like just constantly laying everything out on the line as, as best I can to get the best result possible for whatever team that I'm driving for. But I think what Brandon told Sam is true. Like when I drove for Ganassi in the early years, it was the same thing. Like you step up that level. And like, for me, then you're racing against Joey Logano and Kyle Busch and like Kevin Harvick and all those guys every single week. And um, it's challenging. And you have like, for me, when I first got there, I wasn't running that many ARCA races. So I was like a little bit like, you know, like, what am I doing? Like I had a lot to learn. And so like, I got in that little bit of a funk, like what you're talking about, Sam, and then getting back to that mindset of like, no, like I'm going to win. Um, it's big. Racing is a huge mental sport, huge mental sport. I think that's why people compare it to golf so much, like two totally different things going 200 miles an hour and then like hitting the golf ball around, but it's so mental at the end of the day too. And you've got to be, uh, have that mindset and you have to be mentally prepared and be strong mentally in order to, to win races. So I think that's awesome. Kudos to Brandon for telling you that, but kudos to you for being able to put your mind in the right place and then go out there and get the job done. And now you've done it a couple of times. You know what it's like, you know what it takes to win at this level um, and perfect timing headed right into the playoffs. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to see what happens for you, Sam, for sure. Yeah. I want to ask you, Sam, uh, you talk about, you know, your mental approach has changed, but uh, I feel like this junior motorsports has gone through a change recently. I mean, before Daytona, I know you had a streak, I think of five straight top five finishes beyond just the two wins. So, beginning of the year junior motorsports maybe the cars weren't quite where they needed to be but now i mean all guy just won this weekend like what's clicked at junior motorsports that's really made you guys just once again look like the team to beat yeah you know like it's really interesting because there's been multitudes of meetings uh just about that topic and and about where the cars need to be and where the drivers heads are at and uh, i mean dale we talked i mean it's probably just about a month ago now that he acknowledges that the cars weren't good at the start of the year. And I acknowledge that too. Like, I think we, we worked really hard to put the best piece together that we, we knew was capable. And, uh, we clicked off good races here and there. We were, we were up front a lot. We just never got the finishes out of it that we probably deserved. Yeah. And, uh, we, uh, we, I mean, I say we, like I actually helped, but, uh, the shop and everyone in the fab shop and everywhere in between, they, they went to work to, get the cars better to get the cars to where they were last year. And uh, I think the package change obviously took a lot of our speed away because we have a lot of very intelligent people inside the organization. And uh, 
we uh, obviously proved that we can learn and adapt really well because the summer, uh, once we got those cars rolled out, we, uh, we've been so good. We've been unbeatable like Xfinity 10 G, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Sam, I do. I only have a couple questions left, but I do have to ask you about this. Um, you know, one at Watkins Glen, obviously there's controversy after the fact. I, I think it's pretty clear from anyone, any outsider watching it, you and, and Ty Gibbs, at least you, you guys don't like each other. I know y'all have raced around each other an awful lot the last few years, but I guess where did that rivalry begin? Did it begin at Martinsville last year? Was it before that? Like what, what is it about YouTube where you guys just don't see, see eye to eye on seemingly anything? Okay. You know, like, like Ty said it, um, after the Glen race and he's like, we've been racing together since like late models. Like, I mean, it's been, it's been years that we've been racing together and, uh, we've moved up the ladder pretty much the exact same times. Like for everything I did a little bit truck racing, uh, in between when he was doing Arca still. Uh, but like we, we, we did every single level together and we were obviously Arca. Um, how do I want to put this? I think Arca six years ago was a lot different than it is today. And even three years ago when we ran it, like me in that 18 car, no matter who was in it, which it was mostly Ty, we were always the two going for the win. And I think that's kind of circles back to what Brandon was telling me is like your mentality for winning races back in Arca was because there was two cars that were going for the win each and every week. And you were either going to finish first or second. And uh, you obviously wanted to beat that one car because that was a big deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've been racing together for years upon years. And obviously when you're competing against really only each other, uh, you're going to, you're going to damage that you're going to damage. I don't even know how to put that, but you're going to, you're going to not see eye to eye, I think is what the best way to put it. But yeah, I mean, we've, we've raced each other really hard, some dirty, some clean apologies have been here and there. And some apologies probably should have been said and weren't said. And, uh, I mean, it goes both ways, but I think that kind of just manifested itself into what it is today. And obviously, uh, we both have our own successes now, obviously he's racing, racing on Sunday because, uh, his cars and his talent is, uh, really, really good and he deserves it, but I'm, uh, I'm slowly catching up. We're going to, we're going to be there one day. I mean, my final question is the playoffs. Um, I mean, Brennan asked about these next couple of weeks, but once the playoffs begin, Sam, uh, what should we expect? Uh, how far, uh, is the one car going to go? What's the goal? I think truthfully, like I think making the final four is a possibility. Uh, we have to work our tails off to do it because we, we obviously, like we talked about earlier is we were in such a hole uh, that we created for ourselves from the first part of the year. And uh, so we, we kind of really had to grind back up. I think at one point there in like May or early June, we were 11th in points. Like we were not very good and we, uh, we've come back and now we're, I think we're fifth. So we've, uh, we worked our tails off, obviously getting a couple wins in there, uh, helps everything. Winning solves everything. That's the, that's the old saying right now. Uh, but yeah, I think that, I think that we're going to be really good. I think if we make the final four, we're going to be really good at Phoenix because, the cars are better. I'm better. I'm smarter. I think that we're going to be in a really good spot. Uh, it's just about getting there. And that's, that's going to be the tough part because there's, there's five cars there that like me included, I guess that are kind of going for the four spots and, and obviously not everyone can make it, but there's a lot more good cars than there are playoff spots. So we'll have to wait and see. 
Well, I guess I have a fun one we should end it on. Um, I know for me, like I have a something that I usually like crave or want to eat like after a race, probably even more so after a win, I can imagine, because you could kind of, you know, the mood's high. But after a race, when you're done, you get home or whatever, like what what's your go-to after race meal? Like, what do you want to eat? Like, is there any, is there something you just crave? Because like you just ran a race, you can pretty much eat whatever you want within reason, right? So like, what's, uh, what do you think? What's your like, uh, what do you say? Like a guilty pleasure after race meal? Yeah, you know, Texas is one of my favorite racetracks purely because of this reason. And it's right across the street. It's Raising Cane's Chicken. I uh, <laughs> After the race, like if I can get some Cane's Chicken, man, I, I'm feeling really, really good. Uh, obviously, they're not everywhere, so I can't have them after every race. But anytime there's a Cane's around, uh, you, you can count on me beating their post-race. But something I know I can have every single weekend and my PR girl, she does a really good job of making sure it's there for me is have chocolate milk after every race. Oh, that's mm-hmm. just kind of my thing. Uh, between that and a bottle of water, I'm I'm ready to rip if I have that. <laughs> Cane's chicken, chocolate milk and some water and Sam Mayer's good to go. Bro, I, hey, <laughs> both. I mean, Brennan, you and I were both from Texas. I, I, I just moved out here to Florida for uh, temporarily and I'm devastated. There's no raising canes, at least where I live. Uh, it's it's so sad. It's so hard to leave. <laughs> so I appreciated that answer, Sam. We always like to end on a on a fun question. That was a fun answer. Um, but I think that's going to do it. Uh, Sam Mayer, we really appreciate you being on, being a good sport uh, and good luck uh, the rest of the regular season and the playoffs. We're going to be watching. I, I can't wait to see what you guys are able to do this year. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. And you can count on it being a good one because there's there's a lot of craziness going on around. Yeah, and no. now I know that I'm going to come find you after a race for some chocolate milk. I'm going to be like, yo, Sam, you got any extra? <laughs> yeah, we'll hit you up. I love that. All right. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. A huge thank you again to Sam for uh, for being on the show and spending some time with us. It was great to hear some of uh, his racing upbringing. I knew he'd ri- driven go-karts. I did not realize he'd had 10 years of go-kart racing experience until he told me. Uh, <laughs> so that's on me. Should have done even more homework. But uh, great to hear so much good stuff straight from the source. Sam Mayer is going to be a contender this year. Brennan, it's time for my favorite part of the show. Uh, we're going to answer a couple of fan questions that were sent in uh, after our previous episode, the most recent episode with Daniel Hemrick. Before we get to these fan questions, though, I want to remind everybody one more time that if you head to circlebdiecast.com and use code OOTG at checkout, you can get free shipping on any order over $30. So if you're looking to upgrade your diecast collection, uh, I'm sure some 2023 schemes are starting to to release. Uh, You can pre-order new ones as well. Head to circlebdiecast. They've got a great deal for you there uh, if you're a fan of power hour. Um, but Brennan, let's dive right in. I want to first answer this question that we got, which I just thought okay. was, I, I love how <laughs> blunt this question was. It comes from super tornado gun. And they asked, what's the dumbest thing someone has said to you about NASCAR to your face? That's oh. a big question. It is. And I get a lot of stuff all the time, especially from people that don't understand the sport more so when I was younger, but I still to this day, I mean, people still talk about us for one, not being a sport, but also not really being athletes, which I think is insane because all of us are literally training now as if we're going to 
run marathons and triathlons and stuff like that. We're all cycling hundreds and 150 miles a week. We're um, running and doing all kinds of exercises. We're doing stuff to keep our reflexes and our mind strong. Um, so it's just not true. <laughs> like, and I yeah. wish people could understand what it's like to have your, um, to be, to drive a car so much on the edge of like being like out of control, like you're to the limit. It's not like, it's like if you were to drive your street car to the limit of where you're going to lose control the whole time you were driving your car on the street, it probably, it's probably going to end up pretty bad for you. Right. Like mm-hmm. it wouldn't be just like cruising around. You'd be like, oh my gosh, the whole time. So it's, it's kind of like that. Like, well, the car is on the limit. A little mistake, a little bit too far. Um, someone touches you, whatever you wreck. Um, and we're doing that for a really exp- long period of time. It's 130 something degrees in the car. You're yeah. wearing a f- four layer, three, four <laughs> layers. You got, you know, your heart rate's 150. It's elevated. It's like you're running the yeah. whole time you're in green flag conditions. So, um, <clears throat> I would don't love for that. those people to, I would love for them to come sit down in that car and let's send it. Let's see what happens. Who Your heart rate will be at like 200 miles. You'll be at 200 beats per minute and you'll be gassed after five laps. What was that so. story like 10 or 15 years ago? It was, I think it was Donovan McNabb, the former uh, NFL quarterback. Was it with Dale Jr. or somebody else? Maybe Tony Stewart? I don't remember who. I think it was. Uh, it might have been Dale Jr. It was McNabb, though. I know it exactly. It was Donovan McNabb about. said something about, you know, NASCAR is not a sport or these drivers aren't athletes. And then he came out and like, Got in a car, did some of the stuff, and and you know blew his mind. He, he yeah, his, his um his mind was opened. I guess he realized his mistake, and I thought that was kind of fun. Um, I I was trying to think about this. I can't think of any specific dumb thing anyone said to me about NASCAR. I mean, I get hundreds and hundreds of comments, and some of them are dumb. I'll be honest. Sometimes people ask me, like, I would say, I just remember when I was in high school, uh, I used to wear on some days to school, I would wear a bright yellow Matt Kenseth Dollar General pit jacket, you know, through the halls. And I'm tall. I was tall mm-hmm. then. I was six, 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 seven. So everyone could see me coming like a lighthouse. I looked like mm-hmm. a construction worker with a neon vest. So I stood out and I'd get questions. I'd get, you know, jokes and comments about NASCAR. It didn't help that it was Dollar General. I had a dollar store <laughs> plastered across my my chest, my back, sitting in calculus. <laughs> so I got a lot of jokes and uh, things back then, but I, I don't want <clears throat> people saying anything super uh, dumb, but I... Give me time. I'm sure I can come up with something. Let me go dive into the comments once again. Maybe I can find something. <laughs> um, but no, we actually are going to dive into the comments to look for some good things because the vast majority of comments I get are either um, uh, very uh, interesting observations or are very positive. Uh, we got a, a couple of questions here. Rapid fire from Waldwick Person. I think we've answered one of their questions before on the show, Brennan. Um, All right. But these were Shout kind of out. fun. They really leaned into the fun questions. Um, they asked first, what is your favorite food? I know we talked about raising canes, Brennan, but what's your favorite? Oh boy. Food? It's uh, well, growing up in Texas, man, it's Tex Mex. I oh, love, yeah. love Mexican food, I man. Love some enchiladas. Oh, oh my gosh. Enchiladas al carbone with mm. the Spanish rice and the refried beans, man. Plus, if you got a really good like chips and salsa or like a queso, yep, like course. it's over, man. I'm it gonna is. eat and you're gonna have to roll me out of there, man. Like I, that's probably by far my favorite thing. Um, you know, but you know, I'm, 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 I'm here for some pizza and some other stuff. I'm a big Italian food guy. I like just, just give me like a four cheese ravioli slather and marinara and I could, I'll be happy for days. Um, yeah, I love deep dish pizza. I just love a lot of mozzarella cheese, maybe red sauce. (laughs) 
I'm, I'm dating I'm an Italian, on. so I know. She's there making me chicken cutlets, pesto pasta, arugula salad. I'm getting meatballs. I mean, I'm getting it all, man. It's it's ridiculous. It's uh, You can't go wrong with that either. That That's definitely – but – it's just hard for me to pass on some good enchiladas, man. You know, you know the deal. You live yep. in you oh, lived in Texas. You know, it's I different know. there. It it's is. different. It is. Um, next question. What is your favorite vacation spot? Man, that's also a great one. This is probably new for me because my buddy got married in uh in Costa Rica and I went Ooh. and I've since gone again. Um, with Lindsay and my dad, my sister and her husband. Um, and it's uh, Emmanuel Antonio in Costa Rica. I'm telling you, it's beautiful, great um, views like mountains and and um, the, the beach, the coastline. The food is unbelievable. Everything is like fresh or was caught that day. Like absolutely amazing. And it's like everything there is reasonably priced, man. It's, it's awesome. Um, but if I had to stay... Um, in the States, like my favorite vacation spot is probably going to be like Jekyll Island off the coast of uh, Georgia or St. Simon's area. I used to go there a lot as a kid. Um, my mom has a, a bench there at Jekyll Island. So I like to, we, we get to go over there and, and say, Hey, to my mother. Um, and, uh, plus eat shrimp on the, on the wharf. They have like a, a little deal there and it's like all Georgia shrimp that was caught that day. Unbelievable. Cool. And I also have to give a shout out cause I am a foodie, as you guys know, um, in St. Simon's, there is a restaurant called the crab trap. Unbelievable. Okay unbelievable man Ooh. everything there from crab soup from normal crabs for if you if you like fried shrimp if you like you want a fresh peel shrimp whatever like they've got it all in hush puppies like they have the best hush puppies i've eaten hush puppies everywhere guys okay i've traveled the country i've been in texas i've been everywhere in louisiana mississippi florida california arizona wherever you up north everywhere okay i've been at all crab trap has the best hush puppies so if you like that and you're in Georgia or near it, South Carolina, wherever you're listening, I'd head on over, do a little little Jekyll Island, nice. a little little uh, crab trap uh, trip. And while you're there, you can also say hey to my mom. Her bench is right outside the candy shop. Go and get you some fudge. That's a good. That's that's cool. Fresh fudge, some ice cream. You know good what? Vibes. Come outside, sit on the bench. Come on, you can't. It's it's the water's right there. It's amazing. That sounds nice. You sold it. You sold me on it. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, so I haven't traveled much outside of the country. That's something I've been wanting to do lately. Been like trying to look into, I'd love to mm -hmm. go to Europe, do something out there. Even it's not out of the country, but I'd love to go to Hawaii uh, at some point. You know, these are, these are places that are on my list, but most mm -hmm. of my travel has been around the U S it's a few places I love. Uh, one place I've been wanting to go back to for a while is, is, uh, there's a couple national parks I like to go see out West, but one I really want to return to is Zion. Uh, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, from what I remember, I visited when I was a kid, uh, I think a couple of times. So I'd love to go back. Um, but I also like visiting, I like visiting big cities and just kind of wandering around. Chicago is a fun city. Um, if you, if you kind of know where to go, I think Chicago is a cool yeah. one to explore. I really, I'd enjoyed the week of the Chicago street race. Cause I got to spend a lot yeah. of time hitting some of my favorite places up around, uh, around Chicago. Um, I also, I'm also, a, I like to go full tourist. I'm a big theme park guy. So, uh, <laughs> Florida has a lot of great ones. Um, but also, uh, I recently went to Dollywood in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee, and I've always loved mm -hmm. the Smoky Mountains. There's, you know, some of it can get a little cheesy, a little tourist trappy. It goes a little too far, but you can, you really, uh, you go into the park itself. There's a lot of very beautiful areas. If you know where to go and you can get away from some of the big, uh, most dense crowds, I think that's really, um, 
I think that's a that that area of the country that that destination is becoming more and more yeah. popular for good reason. Um, but they also got Dollywood. I went to Dollywood for the first dude, time and I was blown away. So uh, Dollywood is fun. awesome. That was Dollywood's awesome. I went there all the time as a kid, dude. And that's I'm great. I'm in with the cities. My, Lindsay's from about an hour and a half outside of New York City in, in New Jersey. And I go to the yep. city all the time. I have a bunch of friends that live in New York City. And dude, I get I'm getting a slice at Joe's. I'm like going to yeah, Brooklyn yeah. Ice Cream Factory, like hanging out in Dumbo. Like those are nice. Um, I'm going there for Thanksgiving, man. I'm bringing my dad. I'm taking him around to some of my favorite spots because, like, most Shoot. people think of New York and they think like the hustle and the bustle yeah. and they're like in and they think like Midtown. And I'm like, no, man, you got to come to like go to like the sub, go to like Brooklyn Heights, like hang out, yeah. like go and like go to some of the local spots and the restaurants and stuff. And like, you'll have a totally different opinion yeah. of the city and you'll, uh, you'll have a lot of fun. So I, I get, get some, to, I need to get tips from you. I haven't been to New York in like 10 or 12 years. I was in high school. I think last time I went to New York, yeah. but I'm going actually the week after Thanksgiving, I think. So maybe we'll uh, run I'll into each other. I'll probably still be there. I'll probably yeah. still be there. So if you need help, yeah, I'll tell you what to do, man. We're, still, we're kind, of, kind of trying to plan it out a little bit. Last time I was in <laughs> New York though, it was cool. My uncle lives kind of in Brooklyn and so we stayed with mm-hmm. him. And he's, you know, away enough from all the, again, the hustle and bustle, the touristy yeah. uh, parts of it. So it was like, we wake up, go outside, little yard down the street, walk to the subway, ride the subway yep. into town. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I almost feel like an actual New Yorker, you know? Yeah. So, um, and then you think in your cool. mind, you're like, hmm, I could do this. But then you think, <laughs> better not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, we spent a lot of time on these questions. These are good ones. Last question. And this one's more racing focused. This is also from Waldwick Person. What track is your least favorite, Brennan? Any any road course. Right. <laughs> no, I just wanted to say it as fast as Kevin Harvick said it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kevin Harvick in the media center this week. Somebody asked him basically that same question. He answered before they'd like even finished asking the question. Indie road course. Harvick, not a yeah. yeah. It it by far, yeah. I'm not, I just I don't like the indie road course at all. This was my first year ever running it. Oh, um and I ran done for okay, you, huh? but you're just yeah, just, I'm well, aren't they going back to the oval? Is that I think the case? so? I think I'm that's glad cool. I only got to do it once, baby. <laughs> In and out, had the experience, and now I'm done. Um, I, I just think we should run the oval. I think they should just work on the package. I think we were really close a few years ago uh, when I ran Xfinity in 17. There, the package was great. Now it was good for me. I ran good all day. I ran the top three like the whole day, and I I don't know what happened. We had a slow stop. I finished eighth or something like that. I lost track position, but. Uh, Cause it is difficult to pass. But if I think if we slow the cars down and do like a little package, like, you know, we saw what they kind of did with like, let's make a little bit more like drafting package, passing more because of draft and stuff like that. Maybe we slow them down, do something cool like that. I think it could be pretty exciting to watch. I think it would be better than the road course. And if you win on the oval, which now I hope we go back to, cause I would love the opportunity to be able to win on the oval I feel like it means more. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but I just, I feel like it means more to win on the oval. And like, we go to do this road course. And I think all of us now are just like, eh, it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't, it's just not really that great. It's just not, I just don't think it's that great of a race, to be honest. I think the oval was better. Look at the oval at the end. Remember when Casey Kane won? They had some great races. That was the craziest that was the craziest thing I've ever I, seen. That I remember Jimmy Johnson top- like blowing an engine, sends it three wide anyways, and yeah. then it didn't stick. But you know, <laughs> he's he's blowing up racing for the lead. You know, it was awesome. Those I think yeah, people forgot forgot how awesome some of those races were. Were some snoozers? Yes, where Kyle Busch leads every lap, and it's like, oh, sure. that was terrible. Yeah, but. You have those sometimes where a car just dominates. But what about the ones where it was pure 
chaos <laughs> and you had no clue it was going to win until someone crossed the finish it was almost dark outside it took so long there were so many wrecks and craziness happening i love that race i think that's one of the best races in the sports history honestly um yeah. but you know, I don't know. I, 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 I mean, yeah, that really the Indy road course was really the only, that's I a good like. thing. Yeah. I Listen, Harvick it, said it, yell at him. Don't yell at me. I agree. I, yeah, I, I'm just I think, agreeing. I think most fans are on your side on that one. Uh, as far as tracks that just don't race well, it's my home track or the track I grew up going to the most was Texas. I don't look forward to those races right now. I, I, I just don't, I, I hope it's uh, such a good track for me though. So like, I feel like I, I understand it's boring, but I finished good every time we go. So I'm I don't. Happy for, it, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't boring last year. Uh, like I remember the all cause they had tires blowing every, like mm-hmm. the leader, like blew a tire three different times in that race. So it yeah, it was pretty wild. It wasn't boring. It just wasn't great racing from my perspective. So I, I yeah. got to go Texas for now. I used to hate on Pocono and then Pocono. I went last year and I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. I got this. I, I get the hype when you're here in person. But then the last couple Pocono races have been freaking awesome. So now I can't say yeah. Pocono. I, I've completely flipped on Pocono. I don't know that I have a least favorite. You know, Martinsville has been lame the last couple of years, but like we know that's not going to last. It's the Indy road course. <laughs> I was there uh, the year the curb <laughs> blew up a couple of years ago and wrecked everybody. And yeah, yeah. that race was a disaster, but <laughs> it was fun to watch <laughs> from the stand. We yeah. were having a good time in the crowd. Let me just put it that way. So I don't know. I, I guess I, I guess I'll go Texas so that I don't sound biased. People think I love Texas and we'll never say anything bad about it. Here we go. The very end of Power Hour, <laughs> I'm going to call Texas out. Get, wow. Hopefully something changes. Although IndyCar has been good there the last couple of years. They've if they just banked, out. if they just banked one and two, like they did three and four, and probably be fine. Atlanta package. Oh, okay. It yeah. would be even crazier than let's, Atlanta, I think. Let's bring this full circle. If they do to Texas what they did to Atlanta, would you be on board? Yeah, definitely. Oh my goodness. That's a hot take, I feel like. I, I don't know. I don't think... Uh, I was going to say Twitter, but whatever it's called, X. I don't know. If I, X NASCAR X may not agree with you on that. Oh, I think. they might be mad. I don't. The Atlanta races to me have been. I mean, I've been there in They've person. Been great. I know They've been awesome. I, if you're there in person, it, they're un, unreal. Like they're I watched the truck race. I took it, part in the Xfinity race. I watched the cup race. I'm like, this is the best race of it. This is this has been the best race so far of the year. I think we've had some other better ones, but I think the Atlanta race is awesome. And I think. Texas would be a lot more interesting if uh, it would it sell more tickets. No, I'm not denying that it 100%. would be popular. It would sell more tickets, but I think that the naysayers would, would be out in full force that we have another super speed style track. You, I don't know. You have to have some naysayers though. We have to sure. have some, I guess. Yeah. you know, yeah, you need, you need otherwise conflict. there's no, how are we going to get anywhere? We, we got to have debate. some conflict. There has to be something they to can, debate. They can really enjoy Martinsville with the cup cars <laughs> shifting every corner and they can give us uh, Texas. Shoot. Honestly, that's, that's my fear <laughs> is that they never fix Martinsville. And so every track becomes like Atlanta and that just becomes, Oh boy. Where are we every at? race just becomes Atlanta. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, about I'm that. pretty good at that style of racing. Maybe that'll help me get. <laughs> Brennan, I don't, get quit, quit, quit while you're ahead. I don't think I don't think everyone wants that many. Are, are we going to put the championship race at Daytona next year? Is that what you're lobbying for? No, anyone don't do it. Don't, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> don't do it, Brennan. Oh my gosh. Well, on that note, um, I think that's going to do it for another uh, episode of Power Hour. This has been fun. Appreciate Sam again being on. That was super fun to talk to him. Brennan, glad you're doing okay after. Uh, Daytona. Um, We all seem to be in such good spirits, which is always great to see. Um, Do you have any final closing remarks? Any thoughts before we wrap this one up? Listen, guys, 
please give us some comments. Please tweet at <laughs> Eric and myself. Get, ask us some questions, man. Yeah, I like the questions. food questions and where where we like to travel and my least favorite track. Those were those those were knocked out of the park, man. The dumbest thing everyone's great questions. Ask us some more. Like, or I'm gonna like make up some names. I'm gonna start asking Eric questions. Oh gosh, you're gonna show them how it's done. <laughs> yeah, like what's your what, like? Yeah, we think of anything. Ice cream, your favorite car, your favorite show as a child, your favorite show now, so we can see how much you've grown as an individual. Mm. There's so much stuff. Favorite candy bar, guys. We want to know what you want to know. You're just giving Let these away for free, Brennan. Uh, Brennan I know, man. Mm. If if you guys you guys can uh, comment, you guys can tweet at me. You guys can X at me. It's still a tweet, right? You can tweet <sighs> at me, and then I will um, I will give you guys great questions to ask Eric and I. <laughs> <laughs> DM them, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, that's great. Well, thank you everyone for listening, Brennan. Thanks for being on as always. We will see you all next time on the next episode of Power Hour. Take it easy, y'all. <laughs>